0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
1: morning everyone my name is Tracy and it's my pleasure to welcome you all today those of you who are viewing online and those of you who are all sitting in the seats what did you think of our welcome home welcome right you all should be holding a cookie Um, if you're here in person you got treated to what we're calling this welcome home and we had a hype team out front we're passing out cookies and I hope you even smelled baked cookies when you walked in because what says welcome home better than the smell of baked cookies and my kids never experienced that ever, just being honest. But it sounds really good, and it smells really good. We just know that a lot of you are returning after being gone. Maybe you've been streaming for a long time in COVID, or maybe you've just had the summer off, and we just wanted to welcome you home. We're glad you're here. Well, we're about to dive into our new series today called I Feel And we're looking at the idea that our emotions are a gift from God. And if we take the time to process them, we can see how God can use them for good. And as you listen to the song, the opening song, Cool Kids, wasn't that fun? And we're talking, though, about the idea of being unseen. That's what we're going to look at today. The the idea that everyone else belongs, but you don't fit in. You're overlooked. Nobody knows you. Everybody else is getting on with their life. Well, this emotion is not new. It existed in the Bible today, also, and Craig Mays is going to be talking and teaching on that today for you. Well, I have a few things to share with you about community. That's something we really value at Kensington, so this moment we use to tell you things that are going on. We have some retreats coming up. We have a retreat day in Detroit on September 18th next weekend called Getaway. It's for women. It's a one-day retreat. And we're looking at how, just like a, a couture gown, is designed by its designer with a plan and a purpose. God has designed each one of us intentionally. We've got power-packed messages. We've got really great worship. We have workshops. Anytime we go on one of these retreats, I just always walk away with something new, an understanding, something to be challenged with. So we invite you to join us for Getaway. It's going to be so much fun because what what better than 300 women all together in a really cool place hearing worship working in workshops, challenging messages. It's really fun. So you can go online to sign up for that. And then, men, we don't want to leave you out. In October, we have a retreat weekend for you. Uh, it's called Man Camp. And the idea is that, woo the idea is that it's like a base camp, right? We always start out at a base camp. And we never stay there. It's a launch place, a place where men can be launched into the life adventure, right? And so that's what this weekend is all about, the idea that life change and decisions happen when we step away we get away from everything going on in this world right then you can really focus on what you're hearing. Again, they have like competitions and games, but they have worship and they have messages. So we invite you to sign up to be part of man camp. You can always get more information about any of these things out at the hub. Some of our volunteers are sitting in here with, with orange shirts on. They're there for, the hub is there for people who are new, but also just to ask questions about anything. If you can't find something on the web, they will help you. They're experts at working our website. Speaking of website, We just revamped our groups page. Why did we do that? Because we are launching in a couple weeks our fall semester. Everything to do with courses, everything to do with groups, everything to do with care is on that website, on that page, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash groups. But you guys are here in person and maybe you've got questions. Maybe you want to ask somebody about what is Alpha, what is Bible basics. I don't know what Kensington Men is, I don't know what Insights is, I don't know what Encounter is. Go on out to the lobby in this north end and you'll see people standing at tables and you can ask questions. Every fall, we launch our new semester. We know that you are coming out of a season of busyness and running around and it's kind of that hunker down, let's dig in, let's grow together, let's have community, let's have connection. So I hope I see you guys all out there to check that out. And to say it even better than I just did, watch this video.
2: Hi there. I'm Jenny Warrens from our Birmingham campus. On behalf of all of us here at Kensington, welcome. I think there's a reason you're here today and that maybe God has something specifically for you in today's service. We've been looking forward to today for months now. Know why? It's our fall groups kickoff. That means our small groups, courses, and care workshops are starting up again. Each one of these are what we call jump-in opportunities, a place for you to connect and grow. We believe building community and authentic relationships is a vital part of our spiritual journey. So here are just some of the opportunities we have for everyone this fall.
3: Hi, I'm Charlotte Kelly, Discipleship Director at Orient Campus, and I know that Kensington can seem like a really big place, and it could feel easy to get lost. So we're working hard to create opportunities for you to connect with others. I'm excited to share with you just a little bit about our small groups. Most groups meet regularly, usually weekly, in people's homes, coffee shops, or wherever it works best to study the Bible to discuss the weekend service, or just to do life together. And we have all sorts of small groups. We have groups for families, couples, singles, for men only or women only. We even have a group for newlyweds and another at Orion doing great dates for couples. We believe that God designed all of us to be in relationship with others and to not do life alone. So I would love all of you to check out what our small groups have to offer.
4: I wanted to tell you about our courses, which are another great way to jump in this fall. Courses meet for several weeks on a topic that's important to you. It's a great way to invest in your growth while connecting with like-minded people. Here are some courses that may interest you. Alpha is a discussion course where you can explore questions about life and who God is. You listen to a teaching on a key theme of the Christian faith and then participate in a group reflection. Alpha is for everyone. There's no question too big and no topic that's off limits. Another course created right here at Ken. For your own community is Bible basics. When you invest time in understanding the mysteries of the Bible, that's time well spent. So whether you're new to the Bible or have been reading it for decades, this course will give you an understanding of Scripture's big picture and how all the books of the Bible flow together. We've also heard great things from our couples who have taken the marriage course. This is an opportunity to strengthen and grow your marriage, whether you've been married for six months or 40 years, and whether you're in a good season or you're struggling, you'll get practical support to communicate more effectively, understand each other's needs resolve conflict
3: and more. Hi, I'm Adrienne Dundon and I am really passionate about our care initiatives because I have seen the incredible impact they have had on real people during their hardest seasons of life. Being a participant and a leader in our Celebrate Recovery ministry over the last eight years has equipped me with the tools to be able to walk through and process the uncertainty of this season that we have been walking through. After the year and a half that we've had, so many of us need a safe place to heal and process. So maybe it's not time to jump into a traditional small group. Maybe it's your time to pursue your own wholeness. The goal of our care initiatives is to provide a safe, distraction-free place where you can heal from the hurts of life and be equipped for the adventures of life. We offer divorce recovery, grief recovery, blended family workshops, and ongoing celebrate recovery for the whole family. We also support marriages and families with mentorships, classes, special small groups, and marriage preparation. When facing hard times, tough decisions, or stressful circumstances, investing in yourself is so important. We believe that Jesus is at the center of working through the
2: healing process, and that process can be helped by walking alongside others. We've been through more than a year of isolation, transition, and loss. Haven't we? Many of us are in need of real community now more than ever. Now, God knows you and sees you and made us to live in relationship. So don't let today go by without investigating all your choices to get connected here at Kensington. Find a group near you by visiting kensingtonchurch.org groups and filtering by your zip code and preferences, or come out after services to the lobby and we'll be waiting to answer your questions about groups, courses, and care initiatives. Take the first step and we'll help you find the group that's right for you, no matter your life stage, interests, or needs.
5: Well, good morning. Uh, We're going to take a few minutes to give a campus update because we've experienced some wonderful changes in some of our staff positions, some people moving on to other things, and some people joining our team. And so Sonia, who is our wonderful, amazing campus director, is going to kick us off.
6: Good morning, Kensington. Good morning, everyone. Um, It is really hard. I do not do well with change. Um, once you are a CT person, you will always be a CT person. We're just like we love like family really deep here. and we are a family and it's, so it's really hard when we have changes, but they're really good changes and they're for the kingdom. So we have two changes, um, Tyler and Shayna, and we're going to let them Shana. explain.
5: Yeah, so I have been working at Clinton Township for the last six years, and it has been a real honor. I've been going here since I was 16, about to be 31. So this is my home, and that's not changing. But my position has changed, and I'm I'm very excited. Like I said, it's been an honor to serve with students and some of your students. I'll cherish that time for sure, serving along some of these guys, and you're going to hear a little bit more about their roles in a minute. But I'm really excited about this next chapter. I am starting a new position at Kensington that hasn't existed before, and it is our church residency planning, our church planning residency program uh, with the intention of planning churches in unconventional ways. And I don't have time to explain what that means, so hopefully I hooked you. And if you want to know more about what it means to plant an unconventional church, uh, come talk to me in the lobby. I'd love to tell you more about that.
0: Well, thank you, Tyler. My name is Shauna, and I've been on staff here for a few years as our production director at the Clinton Township campus. And uh, a stirring kind of began in me a few months back, and then really uh, this dream happened, and it became a reality this summer. And now I am a central teaching pastor. I am the first woman teaching pastor on for Kensington. So I'm really excited to be a part of that team. And I'm also taking a role in our Central Arts Department as a producer and manager. And I'm just so excited to be able to continue to create moments for people to experience and engage with God. And so I'm so excited to see what's what going to happen with that so people can be transformed by Jesus.
5: Yeah, and those are those are great um, losses for us, even though this is still their church. When you guys are attending church, you're here. But um, we know that God has moved them into positions where they can have greater impact with their gifts and their abilities. So you heard Tyler is stepping down or has stepped down as the director of student ministries. And so Stephen uh, is going to tell us what he's going to be doing next.
4: Yeah, hello. My name is Steven, and I have been for three years the Breakaway Director. And if you don't know what Breakaway is, that's our middle school ministry. Uh, But I've been in that role with Tyler for three years, and now I am the Student Ministries Director here. And we have an awesome team uh, with us this year, and I just want to introduce you guys to them because they're all new here. Uh, So anyways, we have David, who is the Associate Student Ministries Director. Then we have Nat, who is also the uh, Groups and Operations Coordinator. Then we have Haley, who just came on as an intern, so we're kicking off our fall semester tonight, so if you have a student, make sure they show up tonight, and if you have any questions about anything students, we'd love to hang out, meet with you, and talk with you in the lobby, so come say hi to any of us.
6: We also have, um, we have two interns, so you just met Haley, she's with students, and we have Sergio, who's with the worship and arts department. Super excited to have our interns we really value them here at Kensington and honestly I wanted to become an intern because it is an amazing program so we're grateful to have to be able to share these changes with you and to be growing God's kingdom here so thanks for being with us
5: and um, we do have positions open right now you can go to Kensington's website and we'd love to have some of you maybe join this awesome team uh, one position right now if you have ability to work part-time we are looking for someone to work with our facilities team it's an amazing team dave silver leads that team dave's going to be in the lobby after at bible basics because he also as a volunteer helps to run that program but if you have 28 hours a week and you'd like to join our team and help us present a beautiful facility for all the groups that come in and use it we'd love to have you join us well i want to uh, do two more things before we continue with our service i want to give you an update in the search for lead pastor um, and first of all, I want to apologize both to you here and those online that we haven't communicated as much as we should have this last year about where we are in the process. And I'm beginning to hear some pushback and just fatigue, wondering, Craig, when are you going to get out of here so we can get the real person here? Actually, I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing some, would would you consider staying? And that's, that's always been up to God. But I did want to let you know that we've been working very hard at this um, uh, through our HR department and staff together. We've had six candidates so far that we've looked at one of them we, we put pretty far through the process, and in the end it just didn't feel like this was the man that God was calling here. We have two people right now that we're looking at very closely. They are both very strong prospects, and you'll be hearing more about that, and I promise at least once a month to give you an update in terms of where we are. I would really encourage you to pray. Um, we're not being lazy or slow. We're just trying to discern. This is such a big decision, and I know the history of this campus, all the beautiful, wonderful things, and I know the pain. Uh, and the disruption that's been around for two or three years now. And so this, I feel the weight of this decision, we all do, and we want to make sure that we find the right person as a lead pastor. So please pray for us and I promise that we'll do better in the weeks ahead to update you in terms of where we are. Um, the last thing is yesterday was a significant moment um, as we remembered 20 years ago that fateful day on September 11th uh, when we had three planes create havoc and loss of life. Um, yesterday I was in Harlem catching a bus to go to the airport to fly here and I I captured this picture of the bus, in the front you can see it says 9-11, we remember. And I've been 13 years now in New York City on 9-11 where it's a very sober moment for that city, but I don't think just for New York City, but for us as a country. And if you can rewind back to that day, I was talking to someone last night, and everybody can remember where they were, what they were doing when the news came out that this had happened. And it created this amazing, unprecedented response of people longing to press into God to say God we need you we need peace we need safety we need help in fact it was a Tuesday when this happened and we had a midweek service every week back then at Troy campus I was involved in that and we got together Tuesday afternoon and totally put aside uh, what we had planned for that service and we invited everybody to gather at our Troy campus about 1500 people showed up filled every seat in the auditorium and what we did mostly was we just prayed we had open mics and we let people just come down and express what they were thinking and feeling, the fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty, the longing for peace and safety. And if you remember, this happened nationwide, and it went on for quite a long time. But then life goes on, and you kind of move on, and, and we really shouldn't move on. I think that was a wake-up call to say that we should really be on our knees every day before God, praying for our country. We're instructed in Scripture to do that. And then to pray for those that suffered loss. Uh, Being in New York City, I have a a good friend who, her husband was a firefighter, and he ran into the building and never came out. And years later, she still feels the sting of that. So I thought it would be good to take just a minute now, if you wouldn't uh, mind joining me, just silently, just to pray. Ask God to continue to guide us, to give us peace, and to heal those who are broken because of the events of 9-11. Amen. Well, this is going to be an awkward transition, but um, it's what I'm supposed to do next, which is say, why don't you get on your feet and say hi and be friendly to someone near you? Uh, So let's do that. Greet someone uh, welcome them to church today.
7: stupid when i sing nobody's listening to me nobody's listening i talk to shooting stars but they always get it wrong i feel stupid when i pray so why am i praying anyway if nobody's listening Many times I just need some more affection Anything to get me by A hundred million stories And a hundred million songs I feel stupid when I sing Nobody's listening to me Nobody's listening I talk to shooting stars But they always get it wrong I feel stupid when I pray So why am I praying anyway if nobody's listening?
5: I didn't really know uh, listening to those words if I wanted to clap or to cry, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think any one of us human beings can go through life and not at times feel that way. And I'm pretty certain either here in person or online, those words reflect the state of your heart right now. That's how you feel, invisible, unseen, Asking the questions, is anyone listening? God, are you listening? And so today we begin our dive into four-week series where we're talking about feelings. Every week it's going to be I feel and then something. So today it's I feel unseen. And unseen is not a feeling. It's not a feeling word. As trained as a counselor, we were taught to help people verbalize their feelings. So if someone said to me, I feel unseen, I would say, well, how do you feel when you're unseen? Well, not noticed. Well, that's not a feeling. No one notices you. How do you feel? And when you finally get down to it, to be unseen is to feel lonely, frightened, overwhelmed, sorrowful, depressed. And so this is a pretty heavy topic that we're going to take on today. And I'm very mindful that I don't know most of you. I don't know your stories here watching online, where you're at. And my prayer, and I'm just going to say right now, God, please Let your Holy Spirit be our teacher, not me, because I don't have answers for you. God has answers, and I'm praying through what we prepared today, both in our worship and in the message from God's Word, which I'm going to give now, that God will meet us where we're at, each of us where we're at, and take us to where we need to go, at least that next step. So God, please do this work. Well, when I was a kid, we played a game, and this was long before video games and computer games. In the neighborhood, we played a game, There there was electricity back then when I was a kid. I just want to make that clear. Um, But we played a game called hide-and-seek, and and everybody know hide-and-seek? Very simple game. I don't think you ever get tired of playing that game. It's kind of fun. In case there's someone here that grew up somewhere else on a different planet, doesn't know hide-and-seek, everybody goes and hides somewhere. One person closes their eyes, or supposed to at least, counts to 60 or 30 or whatever, and then the job is to go find the person. And the way to win the game is to be the last person to get found. So I remember when I was about—I was trying to remember—I think it was about eight years old, living in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time. Um, my friends pranked me, and they colluded together to do this. So we went and hid, and the guy was counting. And I found a really good hiding spot, and you got to be really quiet and still. And I know he's done counting now, and I and I waited. And I waited. And I knew I won because they weren't finding me. And I waited. But it was so quiet. And I waited for about six months. (laughs) And I finally came out and, like, yelled, I'm here. Ha ha, you know. There was nobody. Nobody was looking for me. Now, it's just a little childhood prank, right? And I'm happy to say three decades of therapy, I finally overcame that. Abandonment that I experienced. But it's interesting, the point of hide and seek is not to never be found. You want someone looking for you. My daughter, when she was about four or five years old, she did not get the concept because she would go about 10 feet away, where clearly visible. And then it would be, ta da, here I am. And then she'd run and get the hug. But it, doesn't that really represent something in a human heart that we want to be found? We don't want to be unseen. So today we're going to look at a story, and I have to confess something right up front that for the next three weeks we're going to be looking at these emotions through the life of David. And we're, I was supposed to today, and David certainly had an experience in his life where he was unseen because he was selected, he was going to be the next king, and they sent the prophet to the house of Jesse and said, get all your sons out here because one of them is going to be the king. And when, he, when the prophet went through all the sons, he said, you must have another son. Well, there's David. David the youngest, kind of the run of the litter, he wasn't even invited to the lineup. So he certainly was unseen. How did that feel to be brought in and say, yeah, he's the guy? So that's where I was supposed to go. That's all I'm going to talk about David today, because as I prepared for this message, I really felt the Holy Spirit led me to a different story that I think will unpack this experience of, of being, what it's like to be unseen, and how God responds to it, and hopefully how we can hear from God today. Um, before we move on, we are going to take a moment to receive our offering, and then I got some really good news to share with you, but um, I, thank you so much for giving. You can see on the screen here and at home ways that you can give through the website, through through the app. You can write a check. If you're here today, you can drop it off in the back. This is how we do the work of the God who sees in our community, in our lives, and so thank you so much for the, your participation and for your giving. Um, I want to update you with Afghanistan. It was just a few weeks ago that we announced with what was going on there that we wanted to help through our partner in Afghanistan, one of our global partners, help get refugees or people out of the country. And we asked some of you to consider giving. No arm twisting here, just totally just left it out there. And in one week's time, you ready for the drum roll? Kensington raised $200,000. And I, I just brings me to tears. Um, and, uh, and so our partner there so far, I don't know the number exactly, but we've helped almost 1,000 people get to a place of safety. And there was one family that didn't make it, tragically. This is what's at stake here, where they were stopped at the border and their lives were taken from them. Our global partners that work there are all safe right now. They're continuing to do the work, and, and this is not another ask now. This is just a celebration and a thank you for making a difference in the world. One of the things that we will be sharing with you in a few weeks is that we have a local partner here that is going to help us with refugees that may come to our area coming from Afghanistan, and we would love as a church to have a role in helping settle these families here in a place of safety and love. But again, isn't God good? Let's just thank God for his goodness. So in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, early on we're introduced um, to a couple. And their names are Abram and Sarai. Eventually their names are changed to ones you may know, Abraham and Sarah. Um, we're introduced to this couple, and God makes an extraordinary promise to Abram. He says that I'm going to make you a great nation. In fact, your descendants, and he uses a hyperbole here, because he didn't mean it literally, they are going to be as many as stars as there are in the heaven. In other words, you can't even count them. I'm going to bless you. So that's a great promise to start with, but then the clock is ticking and nothing's happening. And no baby is coming, no heir. And you can't have many if there's not one to start with. And there's got to be two and three and four. And so they're beginning to doubt God. And Sarah's not getting pregnant. And so they decide to take things into their own hands. And we pick up the story in Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Brace yourself. This is the weird stuff in the Bible you see sometimes. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, you've got to admit that's kind of weird, especially in our culture. But I have to tell you, in, in that culture, it wasn't strange for this to happen. They would have maidservants. They would have slaves. And they would sometimes produce an heir who would be their actual heir. It wouldn't belong to the person, the woman, that actually gave birth. This is somewhat typical, even though it offends our sensibilities today. Even the fact that she was a slave offends our sensibilities. But this is what's happening in this story. So Hagar gets pregnant. And surprise, surprise, problems develop between Hagar and Sarai. Can you imagine how that could possibly be? They're not getting along at all. And so Sarah complains to Abraham, actually blames him, says, You kind of caused this. And so here's how this wonderful leader, wise man, responds to his wife, Sarai. He says, Your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled. From her. Now, I want to say all the years, and this is so for all of us who love the Bible and read the Bible and study the Bible, we can miss really, really critical things so easily. And in the telling of this story, the central characters are Abram and Sarai. That's where God's promise came. And we know that eventually she will have a son and they will become a great nation, and that's the nation of Israel. So it's easy to look at Hagar as an afterthought, a two dimensional cardboard figure who's just some pawn in the story that doesn't really matter. But today, in our time together, she matters. Because this is where we're going to unpack what it means to be unseen. So, I want to try to paint a a picture, a word picture for you. I want you to use your imagination to try to imagine this. Let's make her a real person. Like you, like me. What, What has just happened to you? Well, first of all, she wasn't born a slave. Uh, You might wonder, how did she become an Egyptian slave, but not in Egypt? Well, earlier on, Abram had gone to Egypt, and Pharaoh blessed him when he left with a bunch of sheep and cows and people. Imagine you're in that lineup. You were born to a family, a young girl, you know, a baby, a toddler, a teenager, and suddenly you're being dragged in chains with a bunch of animals, like you're an animal, to people you don't know, to a land you don't know. This is real for her. This is her experience. And then the ultimate indignity is her body is not even her own. When Sarah can't get pregnant, just use Sarah to get pregnant. So here's an old man. She's sleeping with an old man to bear a child. And then when she gets pregnant, she gets mistreated so badly that she has to run out in the desert. So what are her prospects? come on let's make it real she's pregnant far from Egypt no way to produce an income to get food to get shelter to be cared for how alone can you be can you be more alone than that our singer was hidden behind a screen she's way out there maybe with the same thoughts we heard in that song no one knows me no one knows where I am No one cares for me. She has no hope. None. If if there's not some intervention, she's going to starve to death. She's going to lose the child. They're both going to die. Hopeless situation. I don't know if there's anyone that's listening to my voice today that feels like you're there, but there's a version of that, as I said, that all of us will experience in life where everything's been stripped away. And you feel so alone and you feel like no one's listening. And if we were looking at David today, we would have looked at one of his psalms today where he says, God, where are you? You're not listening. This is in the Bible. He says, you don't, you, I don't think you hear my voice. Today, right now, some of you feel that way. Like you've been abandoned. The people around you abandon you and it feels like God has abandoned you. That had to be, we're not told, but that had to be how Sarah felt when she was in this situation. No prospects, cut off family, friends, community. She's just property that's now been abandoned. And then here's where we pick up the story. This is who God is. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. You got to think about this for a minute. He went looking for her. He found her in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. By the way, when you see details like that that don't matter, it's because it actually happened. They're writing down the facts. There's this river. There's a land of Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And whenever God asks us questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He wants her to express her experience. This is important for us. God wants to hear it, even though he knows it. Some people have asked me over the years, why do we pray? God knows everything. Because it's a relationship. And it's important to express it and to say it and to, and to speak it out loud. And so he asked her to do that. And then so she she responds what he already knew. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. You know, I've, I've pondered on that, like that seemed almost cruel, but... If you look at the next 16 years of her life, that was the best place for her to be. She still had to do it, though. That would have been a tough thing to do. But that but that was his care for her. Submit to her, and then here's the promise. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Do you get this? She got the same promise from God that Abraham got, who's the hero in the story. He's the central figure in the story. Here's this Egyptian slave abandoned in the desert, left alone to die, and God comes to her and says just like Abraham, your descendants are going to be too numerous to count, like the stars in the heaven. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard. Catch that. The Lord has heard of your misery. Who told him? Maybe she was praying. Maybe she, you know, with nothing else to do, she was crying out to the heavens. I don't know if she knew the God of Israel. Abraham was just learning about this God of Israel. This is all new. But in her state, maybe she was crying out, maybe not. He went looking for her and saw her in her situation and knew of her misery and he came to her. And that's the point. He came for her. She was hiding, he was seeking. Because God loves the game of hide and seek, because we all hide, we all find ourselves hidden, and God is always seeking for us. It's the theme from Genesis to Revelation: the God who comes after this, the God who hears us, the God who sees us. The God who loves us and cares for us. And in that moment, can you imagine her now? go back to your imagination. Here she is sitting. I always picture her in a barren land with. A, she's leaning against a rock, and it's raining, and she's pregnant and she's alone and she thinks this is the end. And all of a sudden, God appears to her and has this conversation and makes this promise to her. Now the conversation continues. And she did something no one else in the Bible has done, Hagar. This is why it's unfortunate that we've not given more time to this story and more detail to Hagar. She does something no man or woman in all of Scripture does, and that is she gives a name to God. She names him. God gives lots. He reveals names like, like El the God who provides, etc. But this is the only instance, if I'm not mistaken, in the Bible where a person gives God a name. And here's what she says. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees me. Up to this point, by the way, God revealed himself in names like Elohim, the God who creates, El Shaddai, the God of glory, Jehovah, big, grand, huge names for God that can make him feel impersonal. And now, 16 chapters into this story of God, we have a woman who gives him a different kind of name. It is very personal, and it takes this awesome, big, almost other than the world God down to our human level because He looks us in the eyes and He sees us. And so she says, "You are the God who sees me." Now, I want to tell you what the actual Hebrew word is here, but it sounds like not too grandiose. It's El Roy, not Elroy. Don't say Elroy. El—that means God. Roy, who sees me. We need, to, we need to stay in this moment for just a bit to picture her there again going from despair, hopelessness, fear, shame, humiliation to this moment of revelation where she has a personal encounter with the God of the universe who says, I heard you, I saw you, I came for you. And her theology, very undeveloped, but is the foundation for all theology, all of our understanding of God. This is the foundation. God sees me. God sees me. And so she goes back. She goes back to Abram and Sarah. She has to continue to suffer the indignity of all of that. But I believe she didn't go back alone. She went back knowing that there is a God who is personal, as personal as you. I wish I could see every face right now, not just here, but those that might be joining us online and look you in the eyes and say, of everything I'm saying today, the thing I hope the most, whatever your situation, how broken, discarded, Ignored, abandoned, you might feel that you are not alone. The foundation of everything that is revealed in the rest of Scripture begins with this reality that there is a God who hears you, who sees you, who knows you, who loves you. The Lord found her. He heard her. He went after her. My primary exhortation would be for myself, I'm speaking to myself, is that I need to live every day knowing that there's a God who sees me. And I wanna share two, two thoughts of maybe application for you, but please don't hear these as steps. This is not simple as follow these two steps. But this is the pathway I think this story invites us to. When you feel unseen, when I feel unseen, uncared for, unloved. You know, I, I've shared a little bit of my story the year that I've been here now that I grew up with high achievers in my family, valedictorians of high school, all-state athletes. Um, I, I was a second born, we're compliant children, we're quiet, we get along with people. That's generally the nature of second borns or middle children. Um, I, was, I felt unseen all the time. No one was putting my, card, my report card up on the wall they were hiding it under the stack of whatever, <laughs> maybe throwing it in the trash. Um, that's pretty simple compared to Sarah's problems, but I don't know what yours are. But we all are touched by this to some degree. We all, we don't want to hide and not be found, to know that God is looking for you. So here's the first thought, that we need to be about seeing the God who sees me. We need to hag our experience regularly. We need to know, we need to see the God who sees us, I wish an angel of the Lord could appear to me every day (laughs) and remind me, Craig, God sees you. That hasn't happened yet. And yet, this is reality. And so just taking the time to meditate on this, which we're going to give you a chance to do at the end of my message in just a few minutes. Psalm 139, David also wrote this. Um, He went through periods of feeling like God never heard him to this experience. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know, when I sit down, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. That's not just David. You all have t- name tags on like I do. Jim, that's, written, that's true of you and Julie, and I can't see much farther than that. <laughs> Terry, we need this experience. I long for that for my life and for you. I would, I w- my exhortation to you would be, slow down, hit the pause button, Get quiet, meditate, lean against the rock in the rain and say, God, I need a revelation of you like Hagar. I need to know you see me, I'm not alone. Because when we live in the presence of God, that can be enough. It doesn't change the circumstances often. When no one else sees you, to you know that God sees you, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he sees your suffering. He sees how overwhelmed and suffocating you are right now. Because God's seeing us is who he is. That's who he is. He's a God who sees us. And then the second challenge I want to give to you, I thought long and hard on this or whether I, I should go here or not in this message. Maybe that's enough. But in the end, I, I, obviously, I've decided to share another thought with you about this. Um, we also need to be committed to seeing each other. You know, I'm going to ask you a trick question here. Don't answer it out loud because if you do and you're wrong, I'll shame you. Just <laughs> Just kidding. Is God enough? Is God enough? You hear people say, God's enough. Can I be uh, take the risk of being labeled a heretic and say to you, God is not enough? Because God said that. When he created everything in Genesis and he created man in his image, in Genesis 1 it actually says he created a male and female, but then when he, we go to Genesis 2 where he kind of rewinds and breaks it down in more detail. He said he created man, and then he paused and looked at everything, and then he said this, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, you hear this often in wedding ceremonies. So he created Eve, and now the two are together, and they became one flesh. But let's just pause for a moment and think about God creating everything. And woman was not an afterthought, by the way. I believe it's revealed this way to accentuate the necessity and God's designed that we be together. Because if he was enough, then Adam wouldn't have needed anybody. He had all the animals. So God designed us to need each other. And to know that God is looking for you is important. That's the foundation of your life. Why? Because every human being will disappoint you and me at some point in time. Everyone. Only God will not. So the foundation of our life is our relationship with God, the God who sees me to know that, to press into that, to meditate on it, to reflect on that, to let that fill me up, the God who sees me. But then, you know what? I need people in my life who see me. I don't want to play hide and seek and go hide behind the tree and no one ever comes looking for me. Because I wasn't designed that way and neither were you. And so rather than speaking to the people who maybe are hiding right now in isolation, unseen, abandonment, fear, I've addressed that. God sees you press into that we need to be people that go looking intentionally for those who are hidden, who need a voice, they need a human voice, they need a human hug, they need a smile, they need a word of encouragement, they need five dollars, whatever they need, that they are seen, they are not unseen. Because this is what God has called us to in community. And God becomes more real when his love and presence is expressed in community. When I am loved by a person, God's love for me becomes more real, more concrete more substantial. That's why the exhortations, Man, I give you assignment this week, go home and read the book of 1 John in the New Testament, five chapters, read it. He says, love each other, love each other, love each other. If you don't love each other, the love of God is not in you. Love, love, love. So who in your life do you see retreating, hiding in the shadows? And it'll cost you something, by the way. It'll cost us to do this. But this is what we're called to. The gospel the gospel becomes more real. The message of God's love becomes more real when we live this way. When we press into those people that are in pain or overwhelmed, humiliated, shamed, abandoned. Right now, is there someone that's coming to your mind? In your circle right now. There's someone coming to my mind right now it's a phone call I need to make just to reach out to this person. It's been too long. The, this is a beautiful thing When we take as a foundation seeing the God who sees me and then seeing what he sees, seeing who he sees, and then partnering with God to be that voice, that presence that can bring restoration and hope and healing to this person. We need to see each other. We need to slow down, take the time to see the God who sees us and then to see each other. When you came in today, you saw all the stuff going on in the lobby, if you're here with us. I would encourage you, don't rush out to your car. You've got time. Whatever you're going to is waiting for you. Take time to see what's out there. These are all opportunities to connect with people. In small groups, in Bible studies, volunteering opportunities. One of the hardest things to do when you feel like the man behind the screen is to come from behind the screen. So even though I'm telling you, I encourage you to do this, I know it's not easy to do it. But you need to do it. If you feel so isolated and lonely and alone, I would encourage you with everything in me to take that step. Take the risk. Because when God sees you, just with, Sarah, with Sarai, he said, you need to now go. <laughs> oh, it's hard. Yeah, I know it's hard, but you need to go. You can't be out here alone. You need to go. I believe God's saying that to uh, some of us, especially this morning. You need to go. You need to connect. You need to take that risk because that's where you, you will meet God and you will meet people who know God and together. So I want to, as, as I conclude, I want to just take a moment to ask you to do something because I've been talking, talking, talking and now I want to stop talking. I think, I hope and believe God is talking as well but I'm going to stop talking because I want you to take a moment to see if God is saying something to you. If nothing else, my prayer as I prepared this message, was that there would be men and women here today or online that will hear almost like Sarah I heard, or Hagar heard, I'm the God who sees you. And so just take a moment, if you would close your eyes, it would help with the distractions, and just be quiet for a moment and see if God is not speaking to you this morning.
0: Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you.
8: And when I thought I lost me, you knew where I loved me. You reintroduced me to your love. You picked up all i
0: For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. When I awake, I am still with you.
5: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot. Come up here. Uh, sound, make sure he's mic'd here. What's your name? Tim. 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 All right, so I was going to try to remember all the phrases from the song, and I can't, so I'm going to put you on the spot. So you sang them. He's going to kick down walls, climb mountains. Tell us what, what his love will do.
7: Whoa, what do you mean? Like in a
4: song?
5: Yeah, don't sing it. Just give us the lines. Can you give us the lines?
4: No shadow he won't light up. No mountain he won't climb up. Coming after me. No wall he won't kick down. No lie he won't tear down. He's coming after
5: me. He's coming after you. So do you believe that? Is he coming after you? Is he going to kick down every wall, tear down every lie? I hope you believe that. My prayer for all of us this week as we leave this place is that we will see the God who sees us and that we will live loved this week because we are loved. Uh, Just a reminder, we have a midweek service on Wednesday. We have a great service planned, a great message, great music. So please come back Wednesday night right here, 7 o'clock. We'd love to have you join us this Wednesday. And if not... Part two next week. Um, And ladies, sign up for the retreat. It's going to be amazing. Please do that. And if you want to work here, go see Dave Silver in the lobby. And I'm going to keep talking if I don't shut up. So God bless. Have a great day.
1: (laughs) You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and, of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.